651 Sports, in partnership with the Corinne Football Association, brings you a special 12-part podcast series, I Play For You. Hear the stories of the men and women from the Corinne Football Association, each having their own unique story to tell. We invite you for this off-the-field interview with these athletes and Mike Resendez of 651 Sports. Welcome to part two of uh, this 12-part series, I Play For You. Um, part one of our episode with Napoleon, we just discussed uh, his family, uh, their life in Thailand, um, and a lot about uh, uh, your grandfather, actually, and, and uh, the mark that he's left in the community, Napoleon, um, and uh, kind of what your family dynamic is, is made up of and and uh, right now, in this uh, episode, uh, part two, we are going to talk about um, soccer, um, the Korean Football Association, and kind of what how soccer has helped shape your life um, up to this point. Uh, in, in part one, you mentioned um, that you uh, attended elementary, middle school, and high school here in the United States after you moved here. Uh, you ended up at Central High School. Right. And uh, tell us a little bit about when you started playing soccer. Did you end up playing soccer before you got to high school, or was that something you picked up in high school? Right. So um, I I started playing towards the end of eighth grade, um, going into high school. Um, I I just, you know, I was only playing for fun, you know, um, here and there. But uh, right now I'm a goalkeeper, and I didn't start playing goalkeeper till about, you know, my freshman year in high school. Um, but back then, you know, around eighth grade, I was just playing whatever position that was, you know, I wasn't one of those kids that were like born into a position. I had to find myself and discover myself. So, yeah, I started all at the at eighth grade. So, And when you got to, to Central, was that something you knew you wanted to get involved in right away? Or was that uh, something that you just kind of like, well, my friends are doing it, so I guess I'll, I'll get involved with that? Right. Yeah. So in, in Central... um. I didn't even know the impact of, you know, soccer at Central because Central has always been a dominant school for soccer. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I got to Central, I knew right away that that's one that's one thing that I really wanted to do was to play soccer, you know, play on the varsity team, make sure I I started on the varsity team and uh, accomplish my goals there and then eventually move on to college. I know St. Paul in general, just as a conference, has a pretty strong uh, significance in, in the state, actually. Right, um, right, yeah. You played goalkeeper. Uh, did you pick that up you in in high school when you got to Central, or did you have to kind of feel your way around the positions there too? Oh, well, it was a funny story because um, I, I was playing club soccer, and uh, um, and then when I was playing club soccer, I didn't know which position I wanted to play. And then I was just playing some pickup soccer over at, uh, at a soccer field, and one of the coaches walked by and said, 
that I had pretty quick reflexes for, you know, a kid my size because I was a pretty chubby big kid, you know. And so um, I guess my coach's perspective was, say, if a guy this big can cover up majority of the goal with that kind of reflex, he could be a good goalkeeper. And so that's how I started there towards the end of eighth grade, going towards ninth grade. And so that was where my goalkeeper journey began was just a coach walking by and just, you know, asking me if I wanted to play keeper or if I ever thought about playing keeper. At that point, had you ever thought of it or was it were your, was your focus mainly on being out in the, the other field of, of the other 10 players? Oh, no. Yeah, the, the other 10 players for sure. Defender, midfield, forward, whatever it was, I really wanted to play there. But, you know, uh, when you're a big boy, you know, you can't run, you can't do anything <laughs> that much. You got to stay in the goal. You know, most of the time the kids will throw you in the goal and say, just stay there. But, yeah, I always thought goalkeeper was a really, really boring position. Uh, not until I got to my high school years did I realize how important that position was. Right. It's pretty much the most important position out there. Because you're the last line of defense. If, if everything in front of you breaks down, you're it, right? Right, exactly. That's 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 it. So if they beat you, then, you know, you're you're down. You're down a goal. And so, um, you know, and my, my coach always tried to sugarcoat it. Like, hey, you know, if, uh, if they beat you, that means that they had to beat 10 other people to beat you. But... At the end of the day, you know, it is you that gets beat to 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 lose that goal. So um, that that's one thing that you know I I learned when I was in about tenth eleventh grade, and so um, yeah, it was that was when I realized you know how important that position of goalkeeping was in soccer. Now, is that something that uh, that you have to learn pretty quick? That even though it, it's a team sport, um, you know, it, it does come down to the goalie. Is that something you have to learn to to just move past if you do give up a goal or two? I mean, how do you how do you mentally get over that? Because to me, thinking about it, just soccer is a team sport, but it still comes down to you know at the crux of it, one on one to get that goal through. So how did how did you prepare mentally, and and how did you overcome giving up a goal? Well, you know, to be honest, Mike, uh, most of it was just. Um, just learning on the go, um, and you know you 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 get yelled at you get yelled at by your teammates you get yelled at by your coach you know um, if you make a mistake but it's it's nothing negative it's it's always to make you better um, and so you always learn that on the go you can't really mentally prepare yourself to give up a goal but once you know you get into the phase where you know you've given up enough and now you know how to get over it that's when you become uh, you know stronger mentally which then boosts up your game. Um, and so um, every, goal that, every goal that you're down, you always just shake it off, you know, move past it because you can't reverse that goal. You can't do anything, you can't do anything to change that, that uh, play that just happened, but you can do something about what's going to happen next. Yeah. And so um, that's, that's one thing that, that uh, I had to learn. And it took me a really long time, um, you know, it took me two, three years to get, to get over that slump because, you know, I, I, I was really, really bad at goalkeeping when I first started. And I had to learn on the go and, you know, train train really hard persistently, you know, um, through my club soccer and high school soccer to, to get better. So Central had a couple of really good teams while you were there, right? One of them made it to state, is that correct? Yep. So um, I, I, I think uh, my, my freshman or my sophomore year, uh, the team made it to state and um, – um, um, they, they, they had a really, really solid squad. Um, I want to say in my four years that I went to central, my, my, when I was a freshman, um, that varsity team was probably the best team that, 
um, that I've ever seen. Um, it was a team that played uh, against Eric Miller, who you know just recently got traded over to uh, New York City FC from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, that team was really really solid. And you know when I became a senior, and you know obviously when you become uh, when you come on the varsity team, you'll say that your team was the best. But um, you know, if you're a true soccer fan, then you have to give up. You have to give props where it's due. So um, yeah, I would say that that freshman team when I was a freshman was really good. And you know, Chris Chris was also on that varsity team when I was a freshman. So right now, who is your coach? Yeah. So no, coach uh, Coach Erickson was my okay. coach. Jory Erickson was my coach um, uh, during my varsity years. And so right, right yeah, coach yeah, Coach Jory Erickson was my coach. Right. Uh, uh, he he he's no longer the coach there now, but yeah, my from my junior and well from my freshman year all the way to my senior year, he was the varsity coach there. And you know he's an awesome guy, great coach, great goalkeeper coach as well. Yeah, did he work with you quite a bit then when you were uh, goalkeeping? Was he the one that uh, that suggested you go to goalkeeper? Um, he wasn't the one that suggested me, but you know he gave me a chance um, because I never played freshman or. Uh, JV soccer. I went straight to varsity. Okay. Um. Yeah. So my my first two years were mostly club soccer, because I focused most of my uh, my time on education and school. So sure. Um. I didn't really have time to play any um soccer at school for my freshman year or my JV uh for junior varsity. But uh, I hope he really doesn't hear this. But <laughs> during practice, we didn't do anything as goalkeepers. Um. You know, he would make us run one or two laps here and there. Uh, and then after that, we would just do like shooting drills. That would be our training. He never trained us individually, even though he was a goalkeeper coach. Um, but yeah, he's a heck of a coach. But like I said, I hope he doesn't kill me for <laughs> for saying that. Nah, I think you're your secret safe with me here. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it turned you into who you are today. So I think he's, he must right, have, he right. must have yeah, known what he was, he was doing. I mean, he, what a what a great guy. Yeah, he he was always <laughs> positive. You know, he was he was a really really positive guy. Um, he never put you down, you know, he never said anything negative about you. And, and, you know, it's, uh, he was one of those coaches that you wanted to play for, that you wanted to win for. Right. And so, um, and that, that brought out my game too. And, uh, you know, to be honest, like when, you know, when you don't play freshman soccer, you don't play JV soccer, your coach don't, the varsity coach don't, doesn't have a chance to get to see who you are or how you play. Um, it's all about that tryouts. And so, you know, he gave me a chance, went to tryouts, got on the varsity team and then. You know, it was, it was, that was it from there. Right. Yeah. And I think, uh, and all you can really ask for as a player is to have a coach that, that you want to get out there and play for. Right. Right. That play for and believe in you. Right. Now tell me a little bit about after your, your high school career is over, um, and you go to college, what uh, college did you attend? So, um, my, I was going to attend, um, you know, either St. Scholastica or, Green Bay, because I got those were two of the schools that I got uh, scholarship offers from. Mm-hmm. But my mom was really my mom was one of those uh, parents that didn't want me to go far for school, and so I ended up staying local here in uh, St. Paul, and I ended up going to Century College over on White Bear Lake, um, and I played two years there um, at the. Uh, oh, I, actually, I played one year there, and then my second year I foregoed it for just education. Now, what uh, what were you studying? Uh, I went there for uh, business uh, and also accounting. Okay. Um, and then I also had another minor in uh, sports management. But like sports agent type work or? Right, like sports management, like sports agency or like, uh, you know, uh, field field uh, uh, maintenance and stuff okay. like that. All right. Yeah. Um, what was it like playing at Century College for that one year? 
Now, how was your coach, and and were you still playing goalie then? Yep. So um, when when I was a senior in high school, I I only had about three, four schools that came out to recruit me, and uh, you know the farthest one obviously was Green Bay, which was a Division One college, and um, you know and they the coach offered me a scholarship right after the game, but my my mom just rejected it so i i decided to just you know stay local make my parents happy but then at the same time continue my soccer career and uh coach palmer who was the coach of century college at the time just you know said hey you know century has a it's a two-year school you know continue your education here and then you can always go to a four-year and i never you know i never really thought about that because he put education first before we put soccer first Mm -hmm. and so you know he always he always mentioned that you'll save tons of money by going to a community college first before you transfer over to a four year. And so, you know, with that being, you know, with that being said, you know, um, his intention was, you know, positive for me where I was like, you know, I'll, I'll do that. And so, um, you know, right, right after a couple high school games, he came out to like my club, my soccer club games. And, you know, by the, by the springtime, I was ready to go uh, after I graduated. I went straight to century there. Yeah. And I, with my dealings with some of the, community college coaches i and i I think it's true with all of the coaches but i think as you step up in levels it the pressure on them to win is a little bit more greater but like the the two-year and technical colleges they you know those coaches do a good job at at emphasizing education first and i i think they kind of get um get that part of it whereas um you know coaches at, at the division one level where they, they do care about education, but I, I think the pressure on them to win is so much greater than the coaches exactly, at yep. those lower levels. Yeah. That's a, that's a really, really, really great point, Mike. And so, um, you know, because, because community colleges like two years and technical, te- uh, technical colleges, uh, college, like those colleges are like, you know, um, they all, they know that they'll only have you for the maximum of two years. And so, um, the goal is to not just make you come here for soccer because right when you're out of high school, you know, varsity, uh, varsity high school, you know, in soccer, um, your head is rushing for that next step, that next goal. And majority of these kids, you know, if they're, if they're good enough, they'll, they'll go to division one colleges or even division three colleges, you know, four year colleges. Um, and then go, go play there where, you know, the, the soccer level is extremely high, but then, you know, um, you have to focus evenly on soccer and, your education, but as where in community colleges, you know, your, your coaches tell you to focus on education because at Century College, you needed to be at a certain GPA to, to be able to play soccer, you know? Right. And so your coach pushed you to, to make sure you do your homework. And if your GPA starts slipping, like he'll have you skip practice, do your homework, and then you'll be able to come to practice once your homework and, you know, tests and stuff like that are done. And that was, you know, that's, that's, I can't really speak for any other colleges, but my coach Palmer at Century College was, you know, really, he highly emphasized education. He just said, hey, get your homework done first, come to practice later. So after college uh, is over and, and you, you graduate from there, um, is soccer over for you at that point? Or, or were there any semi-pro clubs or any other club teams that, that you joined? Yeah, so I finished school in around 2014. And from that point on, I was just, I didn't know how to further my career in soccer. Um, you know, I played, I played in like small current tournaments here and there. Um, but, you know, realistically, I knew that wasn't going to get me anywhere. Um, and so 
I came around 2018, you know, around four years later. I mean, like, in 2017, I knew about semi-proteins, but I didn't know what they were really, really about. And then in the summer or in the winter of 2017, going towards 2018, I I gave a semi-pro tryout a shot with uh, VSLT, uh, which plays in MPSL, you know, uh, semi-pro. Mm-hmm. That's in Minneapolis, correct? Uh, it's based in St. Paul. St. Paul, okay. Saint Paul. Yep. Yep, and so it's uh, uh, VSLT uh, is based in St. Paul. It was established, you know, a long time ago uh, as a MASL team, which is like a Minnesota amateur league. Um, but then they took a step up and made it into MPSL, which is semi-pro. Um, you know, they compete with the Minneapolis Cities and, okay. Uh, okay. you know, the Twin Stars and stuff like that in the same league. And last year, you know, I was able to I, – I made the roster. Um, I was able to suit up, dress up for a couple games, you know, play a couple games. And that that opened up my eyes, you know, saying that, hey, you know, college is not after college. Like, that's not it. You can take it a step further. Even if you don't make it to the MLS, you can play semi-pro where you still get scouted by MLS uh, scouts where, you know, you get a chance because there's a few players that played in our in our league last year that are on MLS rosters this year. And so um, and, you know, anything can happen, you know, just not to give up on your dreams. So do you think that? having an MLS team here in the state and especially in St. Paul, based in St. Paul, does that help get uh, more MLS scouts to, to visit some of these semi-pro teams? Yeah, I, I really, really, really think that's a big help because, um, you know, having an MLS team also brings along youth clubs for the MLS team. So you have your, you know, you have your Minnesota United Development Clubs um, that, that promote kids to, you know, the best of the best in the in the in the state of Minnesota to go play for them, which promotes uh, you know um, future talent. But then at the same time, it also establishes a base for an MLS team here in Minnesota to scout the local talent that you have here in semi-pro teams. Because you know to be realistic, uh, if we didn't have a Minnesota United team, which is the MLS team here, you know what scout will really fly all the way to Minnesota to to look at semi-pro players? When they can do so in their own state, you know. Right. And so to have to have uh, a, a professional team in Minnesota, you know, it it gives players that play semi pro more confidence, and it pushes the ones that are not playing semi pro yet to go try out for those teams, which then boosts up you know soccer in in the state, which then you know in return gives everybody a, a chance at becoming a pro. What was the competition like when you got to when you started playing in the semi pro? Uh, team was it uh, something that that you were ready for, or was it something that you stepped into pretty easily? Um, yeah, so I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything. Being in semi pro was really tough. It was really tough. I, you know, during like practices, like late night training sessions, I threw up like almost every night, and it was because of like the intense uh, workouts and intense cardio that you would have to do just to, you know, maintain. Uh, the 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 stamina and the capability of playing in semi pro because you may always think you're good but you you don't know how how much your body can take until you push it to its limits and so you know college soccer uh, high school soccer had no comparison to you know training in in you know uh, semi pro for VSLT. All right, now are you happy you went through all that though? Yeah, you know it's an experience I can always take away because um, you know you can't you can't really forget about experience you know because that's something you can pass on to to the, your next person or to your kids you know your grandkids or whatnot and so the experience is something and I that I can always take away the training is things that I'll never forget 
you know, the the locker room uh, bonding with your brothers that were on the field with you. Like that's something that, you know, you can't forget um, because every single person that put on the same jersey as you is your brother. And, you know, you play for them. You play for the next player that's right next to you. And so, yeah, it was it was probably one of the best the best summers, best winters that I trained and uh, got to play uh, with the team. So another opportunity that um, especially the Korean community is going to get that will help them just as much as probably a semi pro team uh, because uh, they're probably not, you know, Korean uh, soccer players probably don't all get invited to try out for these teams. But the Korean Football Association is going to put together a men's and women's team. To you personally, what does that mean to know that there's going to be a national team uh, for uh, just Korean players? Right, so that's a really great point, Mike. So um, it's either it's either they don't get invited to go travel for semi-pro teams or they, they don't um, have the courage. I don't want to say, I don't want to put it in a negative way, but they they're too shy or they're too afraid to step out to even go give themselves a chance you know they know they have the talent but uh, they don't want to go out there and get it you know but with you know the kfa um you know it's something that's comfortable because everyone uh you know mostly everyone knows each other um you know that you can communicate with the same language um and kyle's really really open you know he he travels you know very far uh, to scout players to look at these players um and to to even build a a community where you can have a national team um you know that's that's something that we never thought about in our generation because you know we don't have a country you know we 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 can't we can we don't have a country where we can play for nationally uh you know when it comes to like fifa and you know um, the world cup and things like that but now you know having kfa to get established having a national team that we can represent our own people and you know communicate with each other and you know, push each other, motivate each other. That's something that that is you know truly blessed, uh, blessing to have. And you know, um, uh, for Kyle to put that together, you know, we couldn't be more thankful. Uh, you referred to Kyle Johnson. Just so our listeners know, Kyle Johnson is the founder of the Korean Football Association. One of the things that um, he started doing and KFA has started doing is putting together training videos, and they're posting them on Facebook. But they're all Korean players uh would you have thought 10 years ago that's something you would see on the internet is uh instructional videos with korean soccer players yeah to be honest uh you know i i would say no because i i know that there was talent in the community i just didn't know if there was going to be someone willing to sacrifice their time to make that happen to expose it to everyone else and so you know Kyle, he takes time out of his week, you know, and he dedicates himself for, you know, um, you know, gender equality in soccer. Not only that, but also just our community itself, because, you know, it because when you say, you know, current people are good at soccer. How, how can we believe that someone's good mouth to mouth by just like mouth to ear by just listening to it? But now once you start showcasing videos, you start showcasing, um, you know, players on, on the Internet and videos and interviews you know it's it's believable you know and and he goes out and he looks at these players you know face to face to, to see how really talented these these uh, you know girls and boys are and so um and you, you know who, you can't even name you know a lot of people that would really take time out of their 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 day or their week to travel to to look to take notes to scout 
then after that, sit down, have interviews, take videos, you know, and promote at the same time. And so, um, you know, Kyle's doing fantastic work and, you know, we're all, you know, 1000% behind him uh, with his movement. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot and kind of make you the spokesperson for the whole community with this question. Um, and I, I've asked this of the other uh, two that I've interviewed so far. What do you think it'll mean to the Korean community as a whole um, to have this team put together? And is this something that, that the older generation, like your parents' generation, will get behind? So, yeah, so that's a great question, Mike. So, um, you know, for us as, you know, first-generation soccer players, even the kids that's growing up right now, uh, from where we used to come from, having nothing, having no national team to even play for or to even try out for, to now having a team where we can realistically go make a team, make a roster, and represent our country. And that that means the world to us as soccer players. And, you know, we most of us dedicate, you know, most of our life to playing this sport and, you know, no, without seeing an outcome. But now we have an outcome where, we can play for our, our people and we can play for our national team and represent our own people, you know, with pride and with integrity. And, you know, with our with our parents' generations, they may not have seen that all the way. But now now that we're, we're promoting KFA and we're letting our parents know that this is something that's real, that we, that they can get behind. And, and if they see it and they see if they see these kids, these generations of kids making it big, no matter whether if it's semi-pro, whether if it's in a development academy with, you know, Minnesota United or whatever, as long as they know that KFA is there for them to represent their country and their nationality and their people, then, you know, the the, the older generations are going to get behind that. They may be skeptical at first, but they will eventually be behind it. Right. It just takes some time to, to see what, what's going to come of it. Just like anything, exactly. anything that's brand new might be scary, but... You just kind of have to see how it goes, and and I think something like this is going to be a, a super positive thing. Uh, exactly, for yeah, that's everyone. for sure. All right, so I just have a couple more questions for you. Um, what have you told some of the younger Korean youth? Have you been in a position where you can give any advice, and if you have, what kind of advice have you given? Um, so you know, uh, like like I said, uh, you know, goalkeeper is not a position that a lot of a lot of kids growing up wants to play. Um, but, you know, I've had a few times when kids, these younger kids will run up to me and tell me that they want to be like me, you know, play like me, uh, be as good as me. And one thing that I always tell them is I, I'm glad you have that ambition. You know, I'm glad you guys have that drive to play a position that not a lot of people want to play. But if you do want to play this position, I want you to do something that, you know, that that will will be better, you know, which is to play better than me, to do better than me. Take it a step further. Don't don't go semi-pro. You know, make it professional. You know, make one of these MLS teams or go abroad and play professional. Because if you shoot, if you shoot for a bar that's already there, that's you know that that I have. Well, you know, don't shoot for my bar. Surpass it. You know, create your own bar. You know, and push farther than that. Because you know, if you if you, if you wanted to be just like me, then you end up you know playing you know like semi-pro ball. And then after that, you know, after a while, you know, um, after your body starts to give up, you you won't be able to push your your body anymore, so you won't be able to to play the 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 professional level that you want to play. But to these kids, I just tell them, hey, you know what? Do better than me. You know, be better than me. Be better than the people that you look up to. So then that way, you know, other people will look up to you instead of you know looking up to two other people that will play the same level as you. You know. 
what would it mean to you, uh, just personally, uh, to have a Korean soccer player sign a major soccer contract, either in the MLS or the Premier Leagues or any of the other pro leagues? For me, you know that that would mean the world. That that would mean that you know we're we're going in the right direction. You know we're we're not falling backwards. You know, and all we can do is, you know, be positive for that person that makes it professional. We couldn't be any happier because, you know, like if if one of our people makes it to professional, then that means that there there can be the next person that can make it. There could be another five that makes it, another ten, twenty, thirty that can make it. And so we can we can't do anything but be happy and you know push and promote that person, you know, and, and, and for me, for me specifically, you know, um, I, I tell my kids, you know, Hey, if, if this person can do it, you can do it too, you know, or you can do it bigger. And it's, it's not, it's not to shoot down anybody's goals or ambitions, but you know, you always want them to reach for something that's not there. So that way, when they know that they reach it, then they know that that's what they were shooting for. All right. So I got one more question for you. Um, as we wrap up, what do you play for? So I I play for, you know, I play for my people. I play for my family. Um, you know, playing soccer has never, all you know, never been about me. Um, you know, it's it's the motivation that uh, that um, that is given by my peers and my people and the people that the kids that look up to me. And one thing that I want to, you know, give to uh, advice to anybody that's out there. And any kids, you know, that that may be listening is that, you know, don't don't ever doubt yourself, you know, push yourself to your limit, because at one point in time, you know, my body almost gave up on me. I was 257 pounds and I told myself if I maintain this weight, I won't be able to play anymore. And so then in the summer of 2014, I dropped 60 pounds, you know, went all the way down to 190. And then after that, I, I, I motivated myself again. You know, I pushed myself again. And that means that if I can do it, anybody can do it. And so I don't play for myself. I play for the community. I play for everyone that looks up to to anybody that, that that's playing right now. And, you know, to the future soccer players, um, you know, push push as far as you can. Push your bodies to its limit. But then at the same time, know that there are people that are, you know, right behind you, pushing you and looking up to you. And so, yeah, that would be all. This special podcast series, I Play For You, was brought to you in partnership with 651 Sports and the Karen Football Association. For more information about the Karen Football Association, visit KarenFA.com or for more information about 651 Sports, go to 651sports.com. This series was recorded at the WFNU Studios in the Frogtown neighborhood, St. Paul, Minnesota. Do I Play For You, a 12-part podcast series that was recorded at the studios of WFNULP in the heart of the Frogtown neighborhood in St. Paul. The music... Wildflower by Joe Kim Karud, and the intro and outro was recorded by Lou Hughes. If you'd like to support this podcast, please visit the Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Mike Rez Radio.